All right, well, it's good to be here. It's good to be back at Grand Valley. It was nice to be at the movie theater the last couple of weeks. The Wave Room. Thank you, Sam. It was good to be there, but I'm glad to be back here. Because I just wonder how many of you showed up to the Wave Room and thought, oh, Aquaman, 10 o'clock, IMAX. And you went to a movie the last two weeks. I'm not going to point any names, but I did see some of your cars in the parking lot, and I was like, I don't know where they are at. So, we'll just let you come forward a little later. We'll pray for you. We still love you. No, don't encourage people to leave. So, I, I, for a while, I thought maybe we could do church every Sunday. It was kind of cool, but I thought, no, everybody would start going to movies. I, and I really got sick of the smell of popcorn. So anyway, welcome back. You know, we're going to start this year with a new series. And the series is titled simply, Why Was I Born? You know, everybody probably asks that question many, many times in your life. Why was I born? Is this just some random event that happened that I happened to be born? Or is there actually a plan for my life? So today we want to talk about, is there a plan for my life? Does God have a plan for my life? So let's start out by reading from Matthew 17, 1 through 8. Six days after Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them, Get up, he said. Do not be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. So, Father, we do thank you for this message today. Father, I pray that you would just give me the words to say. Father, I pray that we would hear what you are saying to the church at this hour. We thank you, Father, that you do speak to us in Jesus' name. Well, as some of you were at church the last couple weeks and not at the movie theater, you would know that we kind of talked quite a bit about finding freedom in 2019. As I was giving my message a couple weeks ago and we were talking about how the, when the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, this is the plans that I have for you. And then I said to you, I felt like in 2019 what the Lord wants to do as a church and as individuals, as a community, is to bring each of us more and more freedom. That we would walk through 2019 understanding of more of who we are and who God has created us to be. And I will define a little later in the message, you know, what is freedom? And, you know, so I am anticipating in this year kind of an excitement how the Lord wants to show each of us more of who we are. That this will be a year for us to become who God has really created us to be. That we will understand more and more through this year of who God has created us to be. You know, I do realize that God wants to do this every single year. This isn't some special thing that he's only going to do in 2019 to bring us freedom. That God always wants to do this. This is part of the cross. This is a redemptive work of Jesus Christ, that he would bring us freedom. 
But I think God is highlighting it to this, our church and this, our community this year because he wants to make sure that we're attentive to the move of his Holy Spirit this year. That we don't just get preoccupied with life or preoccupied with what we're doing. That we miss what God is doing. See, the problem is in our world, we get so busy. We get so occupied with our life and what is going on that sometimes we miss what God truly wants to do in our life. So for me and for my prayer for us this year, that this would be a year that we would be like Mary. And when God says to us, I'm going to do something radical in you, something that seems impossible, that our response is simply like Mary said to the angel, yes. That was a pretty big, mold, big bold move of hers when the God said, you're going to have a son. His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be the king of Israel. And you're not even going to get pregnant by your husband. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be upon you. And she didn't ask a bunch of questions. Now, how is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? She just simply said yes. And that's my prayer is that we hear the Lord this year telling us what he wants to do in our life and we just respond and say yes. That's what we do in this year. See, I don't want any of us to miss God in 2019. Now, to be honest with you, I think it's hard to miss God. I think sometimes we get a little paranoid and we think, oh no, I'm going to miss God or, or maybe I'm not going to hear God or maybe God has this plan for my life, but I'm going to miss it. You know, I'm pretty confident that it's hard to miss God because you know what? God has the ability to speak to us no matter what we're doing. God has the ability to communicate to us even if we're busy, even if we're preoccupied. See, my concern more is that we would just say no to God. Or we'd be so busy with our life that we'd come up with excuses to say no to God's plan to bring us freedom and restoration in 2019. See, the bottom line is this. God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. He creates our times and our season. And God has the ability to communicate to us no matter what we are doing. But I just want to make sure that we are prepared to respond and say yes to him that we don't get so busy with our life that we choose to say maybe sometimes later. Some of you are familiar with the story in Acts 24. It's about Paul, and he's standing before a governor named Felix and his wife. And Paul's sharing with this man and his wife all about Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And the, Paul is presenting the message of salvation to this man, Felix. And you'd think that Felix would say, yes, sign me up, I want to do that. Instead, what Felix's response to Paul was, I'm kind of busy right now. Why don't you come back at a different time and share this with me and I'll give you my answer. See, basically what the governor was saying, basically what Felix was saying is, you know what? This isn't a good time for me right now. But if you come back later, maybe I'll say yes. So in effect, what this man did was he said no to the plans that God had for his life by just saying come back later. And the Bible never records if Felix ever came back and said, hey, you know what? I want to sign up now. We never hear that. So we don't want to miss any opportunities that God wants to move in our life. I want to tell you three other ways that I think that we can miss God or ignore that what God is, wants to do in our life. We can be like Felix and just say, nah, maybe another time. Some of you are familiar in Luke 14 where Jesus is telling a parable about a man who created a, was going to have a big banquet. And he told the servants, he said, go out and invite everybody. Invite people to come to my banquet. And so his servants went out, and the servants came back, and they said, you know, we're, we're, people are saying not responding to us. They're saying no. They said, you know, the first guy that we talked to, he said, no, I'm sorry, I, I'm too busy. I just bought some land. I have some land. i got to take care of my land. 
And they went to the next person and invited them, and that person said, you know what, I just, I just bought some, some oxen. i got to test out my new oxen. And then they went to another guy, and he said, no, I just got married, so I can't come to the banquet. So what we see in the story, we see in this parable, is the invitation for these people to come to a banquet, and they have excuse after excuse after excuse. And basically, every one of their excuses is not really that valid. But really what stood between these people from saying yes to the banquet was their profession, their possessions, and relationships. That is what stood in the way. When the person said, no, I got some land. He's too busy with his possessions. The other person said, no, I, I got two oxen. That's he's busy with his job. And the person said, I just got married. He's busy with his relationships. See, oftentimes those three things can stand in our way of really tapping into or really experiencing what God has for us, these excuses. See, maybe part of 2019, we just need to pray and say, God, show me the excuses that I use to prevent me from walking in the fullness that you have for us. You know, I'm excited for this year and this next month because we will be celebrating the second anniversary of Lake Effect Church. It's been two years next month. I'm excited. It's been good. It's been a great couple of years. I'm excited for what God has done, and I'm excited for what God is going to do in the future. And I'm just grateful for all of you that have poured so much into this church with your time and your talents, your treasures, and, and your prayers. And it's just been a wonderful two years. So thank you so much to all of you who've really contributed to the success of Lake Effect Church. It's been a great two years, and I'm excited for this year and what God is going to do for us you know, when I was in seminary, a good friend of Becky's said to me, said, you know, someday you'll plant a church. And, oh, I just cry all the time. <laughs> it said, you'll plant a church someday for people that are broken. Deep breath. So plant a church someday so people are so broken they're almost dead. And as a church, you'll pour life into people. And you'll see the broken restored. That's what Jesus is about, restoring the lost and the broken. And so I'm excited for that. And I'm excited for that in 2019 to experience more of that as a church and as a community. And also to experience that and to share that with people that are not at Lake Effect yet. There's a lot of people that the Lord's going to bring to Lake Effect Church to find restoration. So thank you to all of you who have created a culture where people feel loved and accepted and embraced. See, none of us can restore people. None of us can pour life into people. That's all Jesus. But what we can do is stand alongside of God or partner with God or cooperate with God and Jesus to see that there's an atmosphere created of love and acceptance, that people that are broken, that feel marginalized, feel excluded, feel like I am welcome here and loved here. And that's what we need to develop as a church and what we have done. So thank you to all of you who have worked so hard and been so faithful at Lake Effect to create this atmosphere where the broken feel included and loved. And so that is exciting for me. And also some of you that are new, you're probably like, okay, what's the whole name of that Lake Effect? Why do you call a church Lake Effect? So that's kind of a strategic name as well because some of you know that a Lake Effect is actually a, we a weather pattern. A weather pattern that involves a lake and it involves wind. You take a big lake and you take some wind and you blow it over the lake, it's going to create a change in the atmosphere where water from the lake suddenly comes up and it's going to fall as rain or snow in the surrounding areas. And that's what we believe that a church needs to do. See, we have two ingredients. 
is part of our church. We have lake, which is a restoration. That's a principle of restoration all through the Bible. And we have wind, which is the Holy Spirit. And we have those two elements. As a church. We have restoration and we have the power of God. And so as a church, we need to be seeing transformation in the areas around us because we have those elements available to us and available to our lives and to this church to see not just our lives change, but to everybody around us change. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited for this, this, this coming year. So two years ago, kind of was like a, just a month or two into church planting, I went to Chicago to visit a good friend of mine, and we're talking church planting, and he's asking me how everything's going, and we're talking and sharing, and, and he looked at me and said, you know, it's probably going to take you probably about two years to be comfortable with what you're doing. It'll probably take you a couple years to be comfortable being a pastor and getting up and preaching every week. Probably take you a couple years to kind of get in that groove. And, and I thought, get behind me, Satan. I thought, no, I don't need two years to get in a groove. Yeah, I just like that. How could you be so rude? I was going to actually leave, but it was at one of my favorite restaurants in Chicago, and the food was too good. So I thought, at least I'll leave, eat, and then I'll leave. But I knew, you know, my friend Chris, he, he, he's a good friend of mine. He only wants the best for me. He's not there to slam me. But I knew that God was speaking through him, that I knew God was using what he said as, you know, just relax a little bit and give it a couple years where you just kind of grow and get comfortable with it. So it's hard for me to, to hear because, you know, I'm, I'm 50. You know, most church planters are late 20s, early 30s, and then you got the old guy showing up at 50 like, yeah, plant a church. I seriously, I'd go to church planting conferences, and one person actually said to me, so what happened? Did you, yeah. He said, did you, did you retire and get bored and think, oh, I'll just plant a church? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I did. Like, no, I've been planning on this for over 20 years, buddy. <laughs> but I've been ping-ponging around the United States of America. So when Chris said that to me, I'm like, you've got to be kidding. There is no way I'm going to wait two years to get into my group. So I drove, fortunately, it's a two-hour, three-hour drive back from Chicago before I got home. To... But, you know, I just sat there with a look, Lord, and realized, you know, it's so easy to do that, to just get an idea of the plan that you want God to have for your life. You know, I could justify, yeah, that would be great. Uh, I, I, you know, you know let's, let's be honest. You know, you get a little nervous church planting, and you're like, is anybody going to come? And you hear all those church planting podcasts where you know, they don't share with you the unsuccessful people that nobody came and it collapsed. They put on the podcast, the guy who planted the church, and seriously, church plant in Orlando, 900 people showed up the first service. So that's kind of like, oh, you anticipate that. You want the big church, you know, but you get all that ideas going. And then at the end, you're like, okay, really, am I out to serve Jesus or am I going to serve myself? And I think it's so easy for us to do that, that we sometimes create these imaginary goals in our head and these imaginary timelines in our head that we want to see fulfilled. And then we get frustrated with God that he doesn't do what we imagined he would do. And I think that's where a lot of us can easily end up. Just frustrated with the Lord because we thought it would be different right by now, but God's like, I never told you your church was going to be 900 overnight. But we come with these imaginary goals, imaginary ideas, what God wants to do for us, and then we get frustrated. 
So I want us as we approach 2019 with anticipation of what God can do and maybe leave behind us some disappointments from the past or maybe some expectations that weren't met and say, God, what are you going to do in 2019 and anticipate what he wants to do for us? So what I want to talk about today is why was I born? Does God have a plan for me? Am I just some random person on this earth? I want us to understand that, and I think I want us to be able to understand what is it plan that God has for me? What plan does God have for my life? You know, so often in our life, we determine our value or we determine the plan for our life by our possessions and our profession and our relationship. It's often these three things in life, our job and our money and our relationships, that we determine the value and quality of our life. It's usually these three things are the same thing that interrupt our relationship with God. But also these three, these three things can also be the stage that God uses to bring us into his story of redemption for our life. You know, the truth is there's some people here who have experienced so much brokenness in your life. You experienced so much shame in your life. You experienced so much frustration with your life. You're even wondering, does God still have a plan for me? Or have I missed that? Somehow or another in my life, I have discredited myself because I have tried and failed and tried and failed so many times. And some of you might even wonder, does God have any patience for me in 2019? Let me tell you, the answer to you is yes, yes, yes. God still has a plan. God still has restoration. God still has wholeness. And God still wants to move in your life in a powerful way. So I'm excited See, the thing is, God wants more for us in 2019 than money and cars and a new job and new relationships. Those things are nice to have, but they were never meant to give meaning in life. Our meaning in life can only come from our relationship with God. And I think sometimes we so think a valued life is going to be determined by our possessions, our profession, and our relationships that we so miss really what God wants to do in our life. Some of you might be familiar with King Solomon. He was the son of David in the Old Testament. King Solomon is known was the king of Israel, and the Bible says that he was the smartest man who ever lived. And this man not only had good brains, but he had power, and he had money and he had wives, and he had lots of everything. Lots of money, lots of power, lots of wives, and you look at his life and you're like, why did he have so much? Especially the wives part, that just is always hard to kind of figure out. But I think God did it for a reason. This is my theory. I think he did it for a reason to show us that if this guy can have everything of what most people say would bring you satisfaction, it's an experiment to see. If you give the smartest guy in the world all the money, all the power, and all the pleasure, is he going to enjoy life? I think Solomon is a good experience for us to look at and to say, if you have all the brains and all the money and all the power and all the pleasure, are you going to have a happy life? Because I think almost every single person from the time of Adam and Eve thinks, if I can have all these things, I will have the happiest life in the world. And Solomon is, a, is an example or illustration in the Bible that 
that doesn't work. See, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, a short book with 12 chapters. And in, chap- in chapter 1, verse 2, Solomon starts out the book and says, everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. This is not the way you would expect a book to start by a guy who had all the brains, all the money, and all the power, and all the pleasure in the world that he would say everything is meaningless. But that's how he starts out the book. See, the book of Ecclesiastes is designed to show us that there is absolutely nothing under the sun that is capable of giving, any, is capable of giving us meaning in life. That even though some of these things could give us pleasure, they could give us enjoyment, they're never, ever going to give us long-term satisfaction. It's only short-term. Because eventually everybody's going to die. Even though you might have all the money and the power and the pleasure, it's not going to help you during difficult times. It's not going to help you during adversity. It's not going to help you during those times in your life where there are no answers. And your money and your power and pleasure aren't able to explain to you the problem on life. See, this book of Ecclesiastes just confronts the questions in life that there are no answers and you don't know what to do. It confronts the common lie that we think, if I just had more, I would be happier. It confronts the lie that if I just had that right relationship, everything is going to work itself out. That's not going to happen. That's not going to give you the joy and meaning of life. You look in Ecclesiastes 2, verse 10, and Solomon says, anything I wanted, I could take. I had everything available to me. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything, I... But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anyway. Listen to what Solomon's saying. Look, I have it all. I have every single thing that I could want, and it's meaningless. It means nothing to me. It's like chasing the wind. So the book of Ecclesiastes goes on for 12 chapters, and he talks this similar text all through the book. And then you get to the last chapter of the book, chapter 12, and you get to verse 13, which is kind of his conclusion of his life. He says, this is the whole story. This is what I have learned my entire life. I've learned this. Now, here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. That's what he's learned. He has all the money, all the power, all the pleasure, and he says what life is about, fear God and obey his commands. That's what he's figured out. That's his... Basically what Solomon's saying to us in conclusion, listen to God. I've had everything I could have. Nothing brings me pleasure except listen to God. See, when the Bible speaks about fear of God, when he talks about fear of God, it's not talking about terror. It's not talking about being scared of God. It's not talking about being worried that God's going to slap you because you did something wrong. What he's saying is fear God. He's saying be in awe of God. Give God honor for what he has done. Give God praise that he is the creator of the universe. Recognize God for who he truly is. That's what awe of God is. 
See, the awe of God looks back in your life and says, I can't believe where I was 30 years ago and where God has brought me today. There's no words. That's the awe of God. When you look back on circumstances and say, how'd that happen? I don't know. I don't know. That's God. See, the awe of God is when you're just overwhelmed by the power of God and what God can do and what God wants to do that you almost have no words. See, in Proverbs 9, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. See, that awe of God, that's where it all starts. That's where all your understanding starts. See, it means you really cannot truly have a good healthy relationship with God until you understand what it is like to be in awe of who God really is. That you're never going to enjoy life completely without understanding the awe of God. See, in the Jewish thought, who the Old Testament was written to, the Jewish culture, they had a good understanding that the love of God and the fear of God had to be in good balance. That you could not have one without the other, but you had to have both of them in good balance. See, we know what happens when you just have all fear of God. You actually become scared of him. You just think he is out because he's mad at you and he just wants to slap you around. And so you just got, get caught up in legalism. And everything that you do is because you're afraid of God. And then you go to the side where you have no fear of God, you have all love of God, and everything just gets really sentimental. And everything is all grace, and there's just no rules, there's no commands, it's just all love and Medical marijuana. It's just what happens. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. But that's what life happens when you get out of balance. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I just kind of caught me off guard, too. I usually don't say crazy things. I better have a drink of water. Oh. I can't get my mind back. I lived in Colorado for eight years, so that's why I probably thought of that. All right, Sam, you did too. All right, where am I? Let's get this train back on the tracks. So it's interesting that when Solomon talks about his commands, he says, fear God and keep his commands. Notice he doesn't say, keep his commands and fear God. See, Solomon knew there's wisdom there. When you're in awe of God, when you understand what God has done, when you can see the majesty of God and the power of God, then you're just overwhelmed. Then when you see those commands of God, it's easy. You're like, yeah, I get to do that. I get to follow God. You're excited. You're happy because you know God is the source of life. When you just try to follow commands just because you're fearful of God, that, that doesn't work out well. So some of you are saying, well, how do I get that? I'll talk about that. How do you, how do you get that awe of God in your life? I'm going to talk about that later. I'm going to talk about that because, see, God never wanted us to follow him and say it's difficult and it's hard and it's a burden. He always wanted to take our burden and make following him enjoyable that we'd be like excited, like, yeah, I get to follow God. I get to follow Jesus. I get to follow his commands. I am fortunate that I get to do that. We don't want that message of our culture that says, oh, you're a Christian. Oh, sorry for you. 
Or I remember when I decided to follow Christ when, in my early 20s when I met Ron. I remember a friend of mine said, Jack, why don't you wait a few more years? Enjoy life. You're in your 20s. Wait a little later to do that. He's kind of like Felix, the governor. Why don't you wait? Enjoy your life right now. But see, that's what to the world it looks like. It looks like, that's boring. You're not going to go to the bars with us anymore. But see, what Jesus comes in and says, I have so much better for you. And that's what we want to understand in this year. So how is this going to happen? If you're sitting here going, Jack, I don't have a lot of awe of God. I really don't have a whole lot of excitement following him. I'm here because I know I'm supposed to be here. How do I get that? You know what? I'm not going to give you a bunch of things and say, okay, this is what you're going to do this year. You got a list of 10 things. I'm here to tell you, you just got to be like Mary and just say yes. Say, God, yes, I want whatever plan that you have for my life in 2019. I'm just going to say yes. And then you watch God move with power in your life. And you watch and see what he can do. And you know that when God talked to Mary, all Mary said was yes. God gave Mary all the, told, the angel told Mary what is going to happen to her life. And Mary said one simple question, well, how is it going to happen? And maybe some of you are saying, well, how am I going to get the awe of God in 2019? Or how is my life going to be restored in 2019? Or how am I going to forgive somebody this year? How is my life going to be any different? And it's going to be the same response that the angel gave Mary. In Luke 1, verse 35, the angel answered, the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That is how our lives change. The power of God comes upon you and overshadows you. And that's why we come in awe of God. It's when the power of God overshadows us. See, that old word overshadows you four times in the New Testament. And every time it is used, it is used to convey the thought that God is going to protect you, he's going to cover you, and he's going to make something supernatural happen in your life that could never happen in your own life by your own doing, by your own planting, by your own desire, by your own strategizing. It can only happen because God is God and he is the power of all the universe. And that is how we find freedom in 2019 is because God comes to us in his power and we simply say yes and we avoid making excuses. That is our part to say yes and not make excuses. So we'll go back to the story of the Mount of Transfiguration that I read in the beginning. And we talked about that, that Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he takes them to the top of the mountain. And they get up on this top of the mountain, Jesus and his three disciples, and suddenly Jesus changes right before their eyes. He's changing before their eyes, and Peter and James and John, they got a whole new view of Jesus that they've never seen before. They've been following this Jesus man for three years. They've seen him every day, and they think that they know what he looks like. They think they're pretty familiar with Jesus, that they heard his messages, they heard his teaching. They think they're pretty familiar with Jesus and suddenly they're standing on top of this mountain and Jesus completely changes in front of their eyes. They're able to see parts of Jesus that they never saw before. And so much so that the face, Jesus' appearance, changed in front of them, that his face shone like the sun and then his clothes became white. And that is how we become transformed in 2019 is Jesus reveals to us a part of him that we have never, ever seen before. We might have thought, I have known Jesus, I've been following you for a long time, and suddenly out of nowhere, Jesus transforms in front of us and we can see things about Jesus that we have never, ever saw before. 
That's how Jesus brings us into freedom. That is how Jesus causes us to fall in awe with him. That he's right before our eyes and we're like, wow, I had no idea. And look what happens to what Peter does. Jesus dramatically changes right in front of them. And Peter suddenly says, Jesus, isn't that good that all four of us are here together? You know what? I think I'll build you guys each a tent. I'll build one for Jesus, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. In the middle of this glorious mountaintop experience, there's Peter. Isn't this great we're all together? It's like suddenly you're going through this amazing thing with Jesus and Peter steps forward, kind of this attitude of, but I can make it better. And this is what I'm going to do. We know people like that. You're going through this amazing adventure with God or Jesus is doing something in your life and suddenly you interrupt and say, I'm going to make it better. Look what I can do. And so I love this next part. Peter's just rambling on his little monologue of what he's going to do, and it had to be a little embarrassing, I would think. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, hey, don't forget, I'm here. I'm not going to say it. Don't say it. All right, so let's go back to the scripture. So Peter's talking to his monologue, and then that... I think like I have a flat screen I'm touching. Okay, next one. Okay, so no, anyway, it's not Bob's story. So Peter's up there. He's just talking. He's just chatting away. And then it says, while Peter is talking, while he's talking, God interrupts him, and a bright cloud overshadowed them. He's talking. He's just going on with the busyness of his life. And what God overtalked him and just came down and put a bright light over them. See what can happen when you get so busy. Suddenly you're so busy getting occupied with life thinking you're just being the good Jesus follower. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing. You think you're so good and you're on that mountaintop but you just want it to be about you. Suddenly God can overshadow you. And what happens when that bright cloud comes over you? When you look at something really bright, you can't see anything else. You can't see anything else. And that's what Jesus is going to do for us in this year. He's going to blind us to looking around, just getting scattered, looking at everything. He's going to say, no, you're just going to focus on me for a while. And then what happens when you can just focus on just looking at Jesus and you can hear God? And then the voice of God comes and says, this is my son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. Of all the things God could have said, God speaks two times in the Gospels. Of all the times God could speak, he says, listen to my son. Listen to him because my son is me. That's how we come in awe of God. It's when we can only see Jesus and we can only hear the Father and look how it happened. Peter's busy doing his own thing, but God said, no, I got a plan for you. I'm going to overshadow you, and I'm going to get you to stop talking. See, do you notice when Peter and, and the other disciples, when they went up into that mountain, and they saw Jesus, they saw Jesus, it was good and everything. Peter liked it. But it wasn't until they heard God speak 
that they fell on their face in awe with God. That's how you become in awe with God. When you focus on Jesus and you hear the Father speak, you're going to fall on the ground in awe of who God is and his power and his majesty. And then look what Jesus does. Jesus comes over to his disciples and he touches them. See, touching is what Jesus used to bring healing to the people all through the Gospels, that when Jesus touched you, you found healing. So Jesus touched the disciples, and he said, get up. Get up. The same thing Jesus would say to the people that were paralyzed, and they had their, the paralyzed man with a mat. Jesus touched him and said, get up and walk. That's what Jesus said to his disciples when they're on the ground in awe of who God is. He touched them with his healing power and he said, get up and don't be afraid. And that is how I think God is going to move in 2019. If you say yes to God and if you say no to the excuses that you want to come up with, that he is going to come into your life and he's going to overshadow you. You might be busy, you might have a lot of things going on. You might be just chatting away like Peter. And God said, that's no big deal. I can get through to you. I can get through to any circumstance in your life if you just say yes to me and don't give any excuses. I'll get through to you. Even if I have to blind you a little bit, I'll get through to you. And that's exciting that there's nothing that's standing between us and our freedom. And see, that's the freedom that we want. See, freedom isn't possessions. Freedom isn't a new job. Freedom isn't a new relationship. Freedom isn't that spouse we've been praying for. Those are nice things. Freedom is when you can see Jesus in a new way and you can hear God. That's freedom. When all you can see is Jesus. And look at the last part of this verse. It says, and then they looked up, the disciples looked up, and Moses and Elijah were gone. And what's left? They can only see Jesus. That's freedom. That's freedom. When you can only see Jesus. That's exciting. Who wants freedom in 2019? Amen. Who wants to be overshadowed? Amen. Let's pray and then let's have Dylan and Corey and Gary and Dave lead us in worship. But let, let's pray a minute. Father, we thank you that you are a good, good God. And Father, we come before you, Lord, and we first start out, Lord, by confessing, Lord, that there have been times that we have been too busy and we have said, no, not right now. Or there's been times in our life where, like, I'm just enjoying this relationship, so I'm, I'm, Jesus, maybe later. So, Lord, we repent, Lord, for putting you off at times or not following you when you were saying that you wanted to move in our life. And, Father, we thank you for the new beginnings in 2019, Lord, that we can seek you and we can expect, Lord, that you're going to overshadow us that we can expect that you are going to cause things to happen in our life, that we can see Jesus in a way that we've never saw before. Lord, we are excited to see 
Jesus in a new way. And Father, we are excited to hear your voice calling us, Lord, leading us. And we thank you, Lord, that your plan for us is to see Jesus and to hear you. And we say yes to that. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would move powerfully through this community. That we would be a community that is transformed in this year. And that, Lord, I thank you for the people that you are going to bring to Lake Effect in this year that need transformation as well. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you've called us to do in this year. And, Lord, we say yes, yes, yes. Yes, Lord, would you move in our life. Lord, would you free us from resentments? Would you free us from bitterness? Would you help us to forgive where we need to forgive so we can say yes and follow you? Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't know if Jesus is Lord in my life, but I think I want to be a follower of Jesus. How do I become a follower of Jesus? So you become a follower of Jesus when you say, I am sick of, I'm sick of leading myself. I am sick of being the one that is leading, calling the shots, doing what I want to do. So you become a follower of Jesus, you simply say yes, and you say, I just want to follow God's plans for my life. So if you're here today and you're like, I want to be a follower of Jesus, you simply ask God. You simply spend time with God and say, God, I want this plan. I want to change my life. That I'm following you and I'm saying yes to you and I'm here for all that you have for me in this year. And if that's, if you're here today and you're praying that for the first time, the first time you're saying, I want to be a follower, that today I make a decision to follow Jesus. Then I ask that you come and talk to me after the service because we want to help you begin your new adventure with Jesus Christ.